Mmm, Marlin Guts, Dartboard Face. I assume those are your names, and yet they are not on my list. Oh, the pain of being rejected from hell. Oh, it's painful. So I love it. Thank you. Oh, such pleasure. I didn't mean to cause you any pleasure, which causes me pain, which gives me pleasure. So painful, and therefore so pleasurable. Yeah, go on in. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuig. and Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we are a podcast where we're two morons to talk about stuff, and this time it's horror. Um, so we are starting, like I said, Horror Month again. October has rolled around. So, all right, let's do a quick recap, Mike, because I think this is like our third Horror Month, maybe yes. even fourth. I don't even remember. Because I don't even remember when we started this damn thing. (laughs) It's our fourth horror month. Okay, so we started with directors, right? Is that what we started with? Mm. We started with directors. Last year we did icons, like slasher icons. Uh, It's our third. It's our third. So it's third. So this is the lesser horror icon. We went, we did the big king swinging dick daddies last year. (laughs) This year we're doing their like plucky step siblings they're like we're doing we're doing the wario and waluigi to their mario and luigi <laughs> exactly <laughs> that is exactly right yes <laughs> i was gonna say we're doing like the like the dollar store to walmart versions you know that covered that like comparison <laughs> or the mr pibs to their dr peppers kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, so we're doing lesser horror icons. And we're doing the uh, sublime to their sublime with Rome. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except I actually kind of like sublime with Rome, so strike that. I've only heard one of them, one song by them. And it was that was fun. It was fun. But uh, I'm not I'm not a giant fan of like sublime itself. I'm like, oh, this is cool in the background, but like I'm yeah. not gonna seek it out. But like yeah, so this is uh, this is the Velvet Revolver to Guns N' Roses, you know, this is a, or Stone Temple Pilots, depending on which one you like better. You know? It's your Admiral Nelson to your Captain Morgan. <laughs> and yes, this will be about an oh, hour of Mike and I just doing this. <laughs> yes, yeah, that I might be more other, fun. <laughs> what other episode was it where we did that, where we just compared things <laughs> to what it was? <laughs> and we like we got to the point where it's like it's kind of like this, except not at all. <laughs> Right, I forgot. I forgot. It wasn't too long ago that we did it, but uh, yeah, uh, was Carrie on with us with that episode? She might have been. I don't remember. But someone uh, was on with us because it was like a running joke, kind of. <laughs> yeah, somebody was. But anyway, it was. Uh, but this time, like I said, it's lesser horror guys, and we're gonna start probably with. I don't. I, I don't know because Chucky coming up, he's up there. Yeah. But I want to say Pinhead with the Hellraiser series is probably like if you talk about okay here we go we're gonna keep doing it if you talk about the big four of thrash metal like Metallica Anthrax Megadeth and Slayer um they're kind of like Pinhead is kind of like uh Exodus kind (laughs) of he's like he's right there but he's not quite recognized as with the others you know (laughs) he's kind of like Testament you know (laughs) Which is more appropriate name wise, but <laughs> but yeah, he's but he's right there. Like Pinhead, everyone knows who Pinhead is. Like you, if you're not yeah, even it, a horror fan, you see him, you're like, you that could guy make must be the Pinhead. argument that he's like 
on the same level of iconic, but you can't make the argument that any of his movies are on the same level of quality. Yeah, oh, absolutely not. Like, the first one, and this is, we obviously were recording this before, about a week before the new remake comes out with uh, Girl Pinhead, <laughs> you know, but with we can, we're not taking that into consideration. Of the original 10, I should say, 10, yes, 10 Hellraiser movies. <laughs> the original Hellraiser is by far and away the best one. Yeah. And, and it's a solid movie. It's not, yeah, it's not terrible. Like, I, I have issues with it, but they're more of like 80s standards issues. Yeah. You know, that I have. yeah, I'm not arguing it's like a work of art, but when you look at like character design, body horror, and the story's fine. Yeah, it's, it's one of those movies where. Because the whole thing, this is all created by Clive Barker, who is a horror writer. Um, he's the writer and director of the first movie. Um, he is like, it's one of those things where like you watch this movie and you're like, oh, the original source material is only a novella? Maybe I'll check it out and see what's going on. But like everything else, you're kind of like, it's weird because you don't want to go, oh, I can't wait for the next installment. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess I'll get to it. If it's free on Prime, I'll watch it. <laughs> that, um, so this is one of those instances where you like you get the character design right and you just kind of let everything else happen around it. Like they got Pinhead's design right and the other Xenobites to a degree. Pinhead's design, you get that cool design for your monster and people are going to go see your movie because they're looking at it like at least horror fans are. And they're like, yo, that's an, that's an original design I haven't really seen before. Yeah, absolutely. But um. But before we keep going, we haven't even talked about what we're drinking yeah. yet. So, Mike, what do you have? <laughs> All right. So the uh, the gauntlet of pumpkin beer continues. Like it's still in pumpkin, pumpkin tourney. Yeah, I've been told, uh, someone told me that, you know, I'm not reviewing enough per week. They're saying that I got to go do like a craft of four pack and get like a couple different pumpkin beers a week. Oh, okay. So I can really get the the amount of people in competition up because really i'm only reviewing eight beers if i go with this one a week that's true that's true that's a good that's a that's a productive note that's a a constructive note yeah unfortunately we're recording this week early and i didn't have time to do that (laughs) (laughs) so i stopped on my way home from work for a brewery to pick up so i went to lunacy which is like my most local brewery they have their papal pumpkin 5.10 5.10 written it looks like 5.9 percent i can't be 100 percent sure sure but um it's a solid beer it's a so it's not again another one that's not like super over the top pumpkin-y but if i was just like year-round drinking beer this one i would work into a rotation like i, I would drink this beer year-round not not just pumpkin season so solid job by lunacy got a hint of pumpkin to it Makes it uh, yep, hint of acceptable at any time. Yeah, but other than that, it kind of takes, like, it's just like a 5% darker ale type of deal. Okay. Where is it, where is it sitting in the, uh, the listing here so far? Okay. So. In the college football round of 24 playoff or whatever they go to, they're doing nowadays. So right now it's, Either one or two. Really? All right. 
So Glasstown, I reviewed last week. They were the runner-up last year with Clash of the Pumpkins, and I still really enjoy it. And again, they're pretty different beers because that one is like you get a solid taste of like the pumpkin spice in that one, where this one's more mild. But I think I'd be more likely to drink this one year round. But if I was looking for a pumpkin beer, I would go for Clash of the Pumpkins first. Okay. Does that one feel more of like the season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, um, and I decided because now we are officially into October. Uh, I decided all my beers this month are going to be Oktoberfests of some kind um, because they're the beer that's fucking everywhere aside from pumpkin pretty much, beers. It's, well, isn't it Septemberfest pretty much? Doesn't it, doesn't like the main time of Oktoberfest, like September 19th to like October 4th? Like isn't yeah, that it's some, when it's in Munich? <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah, I don't know. But um. Yeah, I just have a generic uh, listing about the uh, Oktoberfest in uh, this one. But so I'm going to Bonesaw, which uh, with their Bonetoberfest, and it's uh, their Oktoberfest of Weissen. And um, it's very good. It's a 5.9 Weissen, I should say. And the little description says it's uh, to celebrate Oktoberfest, we brewed the traditional lager of the festival. Weissen, Pilsner, Vienna, and Munich malts balanced with Bavarian noble hops deliver toasty, biscuity, honey layers of malt complexity with the right amount of meadowy hop nose and a clean and crisp German-style lager finish. Ein Prost. But, um, so yeah, it's really good. It's got a little uh, little skeleton wearing some lederhosen and some uh, Ray-Bans on the uh, on the front. It's, uh, it's pretty good. And it's a... Uh, I don't have a Stein, but I do have my beer mug that uh, is sort of Stein size. But it's it's not as dark as usually like October, like Marsins usually are. Like it's yeah. a little bit more of a gold, but it's uh, it's very good, it's very good. Yeah, I'd say Marsin. I guess is more. I would say like a copper, darker copper type of look. That's what I'd expect from a Marsin. Yeah, but this is more of like a full flavored gold beer. It's very good. It's very good. So uh, Oktoberfest Weissen by bone toba fest in uh bone saw in glassboro good stuff they usually have some good beers but um all right so back to Pumpkinhead. no wait back to pinhead <laughs> Pumpkinhead will not be mentioned anymore because for fuck's sake maybe maybe we'll do a bottom of the barrel higher icons <laughs> and we'll get the pumpkin head I, i'm kind of thinking found footage last year let's really step down <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll be one episode where i actually talking in the rest of this year you'll hear me swinging back and forth in front of the microphone <laughs> like fucking found footage but, we're just gonna make ross watch all of the paranormal activity movies oh god you want to i would rather and i'm gonna say this now i would rather watch cats over and over again than have to suffer through those goddamn boring ass movies i'd rather watch someone's dead ring doorbell than have to watch paranormal activity ever again it's just bad <laughs> i would rather actually watch you know that of course i can i can't recommend enough the youtube video with the cat in paranormal activity that's a great video <laughs> but, <laughs> but that greatest was modification to a movie ever absolutely i mean they could have just put it in the movie and it would have made it better i don't know i do actually kind of like um what if the emperor from Star Wars was Kermit the Frog? Oh yeah, it's a, a good one. <laughs> but um, 
So, all right. So right off the bat, we've mentioned the iconic design of Pinhead, but we, now we have to discuss the actual man himself. So Doug Bradley is the man himself, and uh, he plays the lead priest, I believe, or uh, Cenobite, lead Cenobite, I believe, is what he is officially credited as in the first movie. And he's like, um, I think it's Hell Priest or something like that, but um, is what he's nicknamed in the uh, in the book, maybe. But because yeah. Pinhead doesn't actually come about until like the third or fourth one. Yeah. But you know, they're angels to some, demons to others. Demons to others, yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, he has got now. Of course, with the iconic slashers. We talked about them last last year. Three of the four don't utter a fucking word, except for maybe Leatherface with his little mules and squeaks. But Freddy's a quippy man. He's a talker. And yeah. he's got that, like, reverberated, like, voice, like that demon voice. Pinhead, on the other hand, has that, like, resonated, lowered, like, deep, like, kind of demonic voice. But the lines... It almost he- has, like, terrifying... Like, if you have a pet, like a evil priest in a movie like an evil catholic priest you almost imagine them to have pinhead's voice <laughs> yeah exactly like and he just he sounds so great like like of course the iconic line that he has is we have such sights to show you you know but then there's also the better ones which is no tears please it's a waste of good suffering yeah. <laughs> and then there's the one that mike said and then of course, there is the box. You opened it. We came. Now you must come with us and taste our pleasures. It's like, that's what that's what I dig about Pinhead. He doesn't give a shit who opens the box. Like, he's showing Except up. Except he does. Yeah. Of course, until it's convenient to the plot, then yeah. he does. But when, when uh, what's her name? Kirsty opens it in the first movie. He just kind of shows up. He's like, you know what? You're the last one to touch it. We yeah. saw it in your hands. You're coming with us. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, but wait, wait, wait. I did it by accident. <laughs> That's So, yeah, this movie, talk about the design of the scene, the Xenobites. Uh, so, I guess uh, they said it's a mix of, like, 70s punk, uh, ca- Catholic clergy wear, and BDSM. Yeah, I can see that, definitely. And apparently in the book, um, Pinhead is described basically as being like, I guess you call it non-binary nowadays, but it's it's he's basically got both male and female features, but he sounds male. Mm-hmm. You know, it's he's kind of a mix. He's, it's like, it's not androgyny, but it's it, I guess nowadays it would be non, non-binary is kind of what you'd call it. But he's obviously in this, obviously he's very much a male because there's only so much you can do to Doug Bradley's face. Yeah. You know, because that dude's got like the quintessentially British guy face, you know, <laughs> there's only so and much you can do. He already had to sit through six hours of makeup. <laughs> so much makeup. I mean, granted it works like all of, cause this is obviously 1987. So this is a, this is the peak prime time of horror practical effects you know if there's one thing that you can say that this movie nails it is the practical effects absolutely and just like when frank is coming back to life that is terrifying it is absolutely terrifying was it was like a mix of melting a wax figure and just reversing the film puppetry and something else (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was like stop motion or something yeah. like that. 
But um, yeah, he was. It was just it was amazing, and it just the like the skinless effects of Frank in this one, and it's weird because it's not so much Julia in the second one. But like skinless Frank in this one looks slimy. It's so gooey and slimy and it's gross. But like I would almost it's it's weird because what they they don't really do, they don't go that next step because the general plot, if you don't know the plot of Hellraiser, is this guy Frank found the lament configuration, which is a puzzle box. And when you solve it, you basically invoke the Cenobites and Pinhead. They come, they take you to hell and they do all kinds of crazy shit to you. Yeah, it's so supposed was, to be the ultimate pleasure, but or, yeah, or pain, depending on which one. And to them, it's both. You know, it's kind of like the Rick and Morty episode. You know, pleasure <laughs> is pain, pain is pleasure. <laughs> now, in the book, it is described that Frank did enjoy the the hooks at the start. Yeah, like, and because he was looking for that next level yeah. of like uh pleasure of like sexual pleasure basically so like he'd been through every level of porn you can possibly get to all types of sex every possible thing and then he was like you know what i'm done i need demonic hooks is what i need you know that (laughs) i need the next level and of course he goes to marrakesh and he gets it like you would get your monkey's paw you go next door you get your lament configuration you get everything all the demonic cursed items that you get you get them in marrakesh (laughs) Yeah, and so the story of it with, like, the whole lament configuration and Frank coming back to life. So that's, A, how the fuck does his heart, like, little heart get left behind? Right, it's just under the floorboards. (laughs) If you're taking someone to hell, isn't that the most important part? (laughs) You want everything. You kind of want to get everything down there, you know? And if you're only going to take one thing, it should be the heart or soul, depending on how you philosophize the existence of a heart or soul. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you gotta gotta take something that can make him feel things, you know? It's... And if you're just torturing his body, you need a body. But if you're torturing everything, you kind of need the whole damn thing. (laughs) And of course, Frank escaped them because if fresh blood is spilled on the spot where the person died who opened the lament configuration, they come back to life. But they come back in like skinless form. They're not fully complete yet. And they need more. They need victims to be able to replenish themselves. And eventually they get back to fully formed how they were when they were alive. But in this one. I so the second one delves a bit more deep into how they like replenish their skin. In this one, I thought he just killed his brother and stole his skin. That's what he did at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. But the weird thing is in the second one, it's very they very much show you that Julia is getting stronger, stronger, stronger. And then all of a sudden she's getting she's like the last step before she kills the last guy, she's got an opening on her back that closes up when she kills that guy. So it's like, oh, look, I finished my regeneration. In this one, the the step that they don't take is that gradual adding of skin or anything. 
they do say like he has a cigarette and he's like oh i can taste that it's like okay so i guess you couldn't taste anything when he first came back but like there's not there's no real progression he just puts on clothes at one point like yeah. over his skinless body <laughs> which i would imagine hurts like hell oh it's got it just exposed nerves man <laughs> it's gonna hurt like a motherfucker it's like so a I burn guess victim once you uh I guess once you've been through the uh, Cenobites, uh... yeah, yeah, the, no, yeah. Like by comparison, whatever they did to him, whatever the Cenobites then Pinhead did to him, is probably nothing, you know. So it's like putting that on; it's just like a mild sunburn. It's like this is nothing to me. <laughs> That's also one thing where it's like you make deals with someone, like even in Faustian bargains in movies. Generally, it might be a little twisted, but they hold up their end of the bargain. In this one, she's like, "Hey." Frank escaped you. I can help you get him, but leave me here. And then they're like, all right. And then they, she helps her get him. And then he's like, nah, fuck you. You're coming with us anyway. And that's what I dig about Pinhead. He's still yeah. like, you know, I got what I needed. And I still, you still touched that box. <laughs> you still opened it. You know, I'd still need that soul. I got to take you to hell. You know, I'm a stickler for the rules. You know, <laughs> But it's and then of course in and you know in this one it's again i dig the fact that whenever you summon the cenobites when you solve the the main configuration they have a very theatrical entrance like they're they're like they got like spotlights and they got a light show going they're opening walls they're doing all kinds of shit just to show up when they imagine seeing a cenobites rock show I mean, it'd be amazing. Like, I just saw Ramstein recently, and it was fucking amazing. But, like, imagine if they were, like, on hooks and shit, like, craziness. It's about as close as you're going to get to Cenobite Metal. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to each two Vey, that's pretty much what the song's about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, You Hurt Me is basically what it is. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's so funny to see this because then there's just the design of the Cenobites, and there's the iconic... The iconic four are in this one. There is the which is funny because there's the one just called the female. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just our just the female. She's recast in the second one. Uh of course, Pinhead. And then there's Butterball <laughs> and the Chatterer. <laughs> yeah. Now well, it's, the Chatterer, did you see anything about how the makeup went for the Chatterer? No, it didn't. So people talked about because the Chatterer gets a redesign in the second movie, and people didn't like it. But the original actor came back for the chatter. In the second movie, he gets eye slits. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. in the first movie, the makeup for the chatter with the prosthetic teeth, the guy couldn't talk. With the makeup, he couldn't hear and he couldn't see. <laughs> so he's just he's deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> just kind of chattering like, those teeth. He basically said, I'll come back. But find a way to give my character eyes so I can at least see. Right. Yeah. So I know where I'm going. That was, <laughs> that's funny. But even funnier is that in the second one, the whole pinhead, you know, quote unquote, dies and all the Cenobites die. But when they do die, they get sent back to their human form, their original form. And the cheddar is like a 10 year old kid. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. What happened there? <laughs> I want that story. <laughs> what did this 10-year-old kid do to be like, oh, 
Puzzlebot was it one of those situations where it's like, he hey, Puzzlebot, so <laughs> right? Or was this kid just like, you know what? I've got this internet connection. I have gone way too far down the rabbit hole. I need some help. <laughs> no, he's probably in a situation. He's like, no girl wants to fuck me. I can't. I can't handle jerking off another night. Right. And since it is 1988, he was probably like, I found all the porn in the woods I could possibly find. I've gone through it all. <laughs> there is nothing left for me to get a hard on with. I got to go to hell and figure this shit out, you know? <laughs> and Pinhead probably showed up and was like, well, this is a new one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I guess we'll figure out where this goes. <laughs> so he's like, I like you, man. Be one of my Cenobite crew. And the kid was probably like, you know what? What else am I going to live for? I got nothing else to do. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Does that chick fuck the one with like the, the vagina opening in her throat? Did she fuck? Let's do this. <laughs> I want Butterball to watch. Right. It's like, is Butterball into watching? Because I, I feel like he's got those glad those welding goggles for a reason. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's, it's, it is pretty crazy because the design of pinhead is so iconic obviously it's so iconic and we we briefly get in the beginning of hellraiser 2 we do briefly get uh pinhead begins we, we see how he becomes one apparently that was supposed to be a bigger so i got i'll talk more it was supposed to be a bigger part of two i'll talk more about that when we actually get to two well i mean all of these well this movie especially this first one was a chop job yeah because Clive Barker wanted it closer to his novel. So, and of course, that what they filmed got him like an X rating. Mm-hmm. So he had to chop it down to an R. Yeah. And apparently it's it's one of those things where like making a horror movie or especially a horror movie, because they're the ones that always have to cut the weird shit to get it down to an R. But I just want every now and then I want, I want, or not even every now and then, I want someone to come up with a book. Like, publish a book where it's just a list of all of the ridiculous notes that the MPAA gives to movies, like movie makers, to say, hey, you can't do this, but you can do this to get an R rating. Mm -hmm. Because for this movie, apparently, the flashback to when Julia and Frank are having their affair and they're having sex, most of that scene had to be chopped because apparently three thrusts into Julia was too much. So they had to cut it back to one, but it couldn't, they couldn't, they could have three thrusts, but it couldn't be consecutive. Like it had to be one, cut to something, cut back two, cut to something else, three, you know, it was like, and but so Clyde Barker was like, okay. And then apparently Frank like hung a little dong at one point. And, and then apparently there was some other position that they were in and that had to be cut as well. But in Hellraiser 2, in the beginning of that, it's basically just a recap of the first movie. And you get the you get the flashback affair scene. But the scenes of that affair are the cut scenes from the original movie. So it's like you see what was cut out of the first one. <laughs> so you're still getting that original vision. You're just getting it in two different movies. So if the MPAA was like, yeah, look, man, you can't put three consecutive thrusts in your movie. <laughs> Everybody Clyde was like, fine, I'll cut two out and put them in the next movie. <laughs> it's like, I will get those three in there. God damn it. You will not stifle my creative vision. <laughs> 
that's apparently coming after a bunch of chains are thrown thrown into you. That's a no-no from because that's what happens in the book. In the book, when uh, Frank first summons the lament configuration, there's a very descript chapter about how he felt everything and came on the spot, pretty much. Right. Yeah. I mean, n- I'm, the funny thing is, studios nowadays, like with this remake, studios nowadays, like. A24 or it's well it's mostly A24. A24 would be the studio that would do that. Like yeah. that they would have that like artfully done ejaculation by like after hooks like skin hooks. But in the remake that would be something that you know someone would be fighting for. They'd yeah. be like, "Look, the original creative vision of the source material is ejaculation after the hooks enter him." And it's like, <laughs> "Fine, man. Fine. God, Jesus. <laughs> you know, you can do it. Fine." <laughs> Just get out of here, you goddamn weird. I'm trying to eat lunch, you know? <laughs> but it's it's so funny because, and you think of shit in the 80s, like 80s horror, literally everything flew. Like everything was good to go. You could do whatever the hell you wanted. And nowadays, you would think that like with the general cultural tone of everything and what people were willing to look for, look, see in a movie, there's no more sex in movies anymore, unless you're watching an independent film or an A24 or something like that. But for some weird reason there is with horror fans and it's not so much weird as it is great. Horror fans are such a vocal crew that they would be like, look, if you're redoing Hellraiser, you can have a girl pinhead, but you better show a guy ejaculating after those hooks go in, just like in the original novel, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll watch it on Hulu. Just do it like that, all right? (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, I might go see the Hellraiser uh, reboot just just because I'm curious if they do it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's, unfortunately, I almost guarantee they're not going to do it because it would be too good. It would be something too good to throw in there. And, of course, you know, the MPA is still a thing. Like, you'd still get it. But it is going straight to Hulu. So, even, I guess, like, a Hulu executive would have to be like, yeah, we're good with it. (laughs) You know, it's fine. Throw it in there. We don't care. (laughs) Are we own? We're part of Disney? Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Hulu is, like, the lawless side of Disney. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, they they don't care. But it's 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 really it's really wild because then like most lesser horror or even just regular horror. It ends in, with a horse skeleton with wings flying away with a box. Right, you know, that old <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> Jason jumping out of the uh, the boat, horse skeleton flying away with a puzzle box. But the craziest thing is there there's that hobo in this movie like the homeless guy in this movie that randomly shows up to a pull like a sticky bandits with the crickets in the pet shop (laughs) and And turn into a demon horse with wings and fly away with the lament configuration right exactly (laughs) and it's like it's like he's built up the whole movie as being like a thing and then he's nothing (laughs) he's just like does so does the leviathan have like a merchant partner in the real world he's like i need you to peddle this box so that these centibytes can come out and bring souls to me right Um, i only have one you're my trusted distributor just you (laughs) 
Yeah, just you. You're just one homeless guy. <laughs> and he's not even the salesman. He just brings the box to the salesman. Yeah, the old man in Marrakesh just kind of sits there in that smoky room and is just like, well, you look like a dirty traveler who's into some weird shit. Solve this and you'll love it. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay, great. But, I mean, this the whole, like I like said, the first, the whole first movie is the iconic here's pinhead the thing is he's not even in this movie really he's barely in the movie at all but when he is you're like oh okay this this is the guy this is why we're here you know and then he's gone you know and it's it's almost like freddy in the first one in the first nightmare on elm street like he's not all over that thing and it's the sequel works yeah and it works perfectly yeah it's the sequels where he's plastered all over the place and and later in the later sequels it becomes the pinhead show basically in this and it's which is ironic because most of the later sequels like the original writing was just for crappy horror movies and they're like hey you know what would spice this up a pale dude with nails in his head (laughs) yeah exactly it's it's crazy but uh all right so mike how's your uh how's your pumpkin beer Doing good. Just about finished my first one. So I feel like I should be reviewing Lunacy more with how close they are to me. The only thing is, it's like they're not distributed to liquor stores very much. Yeah, so you got to go there. Yeah, you got to go there. But I do enjoy this beer. So I'm still contemplating if it's ranked one or two. Because if if in terms of like actually what I look for in a pumpkin beer, it's probably three. But if it, in terms of quality, just quality beer, it's probably one. Overall beer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, my um, Oktoberfest Weissen Bone Toberfest is uh, really good. It's really good. And it's, uh, I don't know, for some reason, every time I see this now, because there's always there's those Meineke commercials with that German guy, there's always want to be like, so Meineke in the Bone Toberfest. <laughs> and Friedrich, Deutschland's most disagreeable man. But, um, yeah, so it's 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 a good beer and it's very easily uh easily drunk, I should say. But um all right, so now on a Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, 1988, and now this is directed by a man named Tony Randall, but it's not the Tony Randall that everyone probably thinks it is. And um he did Hellraiser 3 as well, but he also did this like series of movies called The Dog Gone series, <laughs> which I don't want to know what kind of terrible like Christian family movies these probably are, but to have Hellraiser 2 and 3 on your resume and then to be like, so what's your newest project, Tony? Well, I'm doing a series, another installment of the Dog Gone series. It's like, I see. <laughs> Very interesting, sir. <laughs> Please get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't hate Hellraiser 2. All right. Hellraiser 2. My issue with Hellraiser 1 is fixed in this movie because the character of Julia, she is the stepmother in the first one. She has the worst 80s haircut I've ever seen on a woman. She looks like, um, what's it, Gozer the Gozerian in Ghostbusters. She's got that, like, weird poof, like, female mullet of sorts. She is not attractive at all. And she's supposed to be, like, the sexy woman that's, like, irresistible to men, basically. She is not attractive. In this movie, they actually give her, like, a real haircut, like, a real hairstyle. And she's suddenly very attractive. You're like, oh, 
what the hell happened at first time? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> but now this time we do our start off with a previous on Hellraiser. And then we get makeupless Doug Bradley. Then Pithead begins. And then we get back to the meat of our story, which is Julia now coming back from the dead and becoming how, like Frank of the first one and all that. Trying to get literally fleshed out. And then it basically turns into the Dream Warriors for some reason. And then it turns into a whole whole lot of what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> you know? So Okay. So this movie was essentially given a solid, solid budget when Clyde Barker chose to make it. And then the studio had financial trouble. So a lot of it got chopped, not necessarily like things got chopped to get it to an R rating, but more things got chopped to get it into budget. So there was supposed to be more of a side story with Pinhead or a backstory to Pinhead. Um, yeah. There's supposed to be a lot more kind of everywhere in this movie. So there are things I like about it. I'm a sucker for lore and the design of the Leviathan and the underworld. I'm like, yo, I, I fuck with this. This is actually pretty cool. <laughs> it's for me though. Like it's weird because I'm, I, I'm very interested and it's, it's weird because it's, it's the limitations of the time and the special effects in the eighties and the level of special effects that were there. But it's also the, the limitations of the filmmaker vision mm-hmm. compared to what Clive Barker could probably come up with in his book. And it's, I want to see more of what hell looks like yeah. in, and like the active hell of these worlds, not this like weird, um, like labyrinth, Apple II, screensaver, Windows 95-ish, kind of like... See, I kind of found it charming in the, like, when they when we see, like, the Leviathan is like the diamond over this giant labyrinth, kind of like industrial-ish hellscape, I thought that was, like, a cool shot. And I'm like, okay, I'm interested. Now, what they ended up doing with it, like, on a more personal level, when you're actually walking through it, I did not think was as cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot of matte paintings at the end of short hallways, yeah. you know, to make it look like it's a lot longer than it is. But I would, I, okay, so two things right off the bat we didn't even mention with the first one. Ashley Lawrence is Kirsty. She's Kirsty and... um She's basically supposed to be our um, uh, Heather Langenkamp, basically. She's supposed to be our final girl. She's supposed to be the one we're rooting for. She's She kind of sucks. I mean, she kind of sucks a little bit. But I can see what they were thinking when they looked at her. Because the first movie is introducing Ashley Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And I know someone somewhere saw Winona Ryder. And then saw Ashley Lawrence. It was like that right there is our dime store Winona Ryder. We were going to try to pimp her out as much as possible and trick some people into saying this, thinking it's Winona Ryder in this movie. Because she's very looking at this movie, she's very much Winona Ryder in this, but with longer hair. And she kind of looks like Winona Ryder in Stranger Things, you know, but with a little bit longer hair. And she was basically like set up to be like the next big thing in horror, but really just ended up doing handful of these movies 
and then really nothing else that anyone's actually seen, you know, and it's, it's kind of weird, but then in this movie, we actually get to see how a Cenobite is made. Yeah. And I, I need, I kind of need more of that because the process is fucking insane. <laughs> like you can put in this little box and then like, they just figure out some way to permanently torture you and make that part of your costume. And apparently for this guy though, you get a giant caterpillar that sucks on your brain for a while and moves you around a lot. <laughs> that All right. So biggest problem with this movie is how the original four Cenobites are killed like bitches. They just, it's, it's weird because, and this is where you just got to take a couple seconds to just explain that this dude's like all powerful now. Yeah. And, because we're led to believe that Pinhead is God among these demons, you know? And it's like, he is untouchable. And the only way you can get out of facing whatever hell he's going to visit upon you is to pull what Kirstie does and like try to bargain with him, essentially, you know? And even with Tiffany in this, she is let off the hook because apparently now in this movie pinhead knows who really wants the puzzle box open <laughs> you know it's yeah, not like the like, first she one. was your tool to solve the puzzle box yeah it's not like the first one it's like uh-uh he who touched it last comes with us you know and this one's like wait hold on she's just a mute kid that likes puzzles those people behind that wall over there are the ones that actually wanted it open. And it's like, well, if you knew that, then the first one wouldn't have happened because you would have realized that Kirsty opened it accidentally, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's not hands that bring us here. It is desire. You know, it's like, again, you got some great lines, man. You got yeah. some great lines, but they're in the worst movie you can think of. <laughs> it's almost like they came up with the best lines and then was like, let's make a movie around it. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. We got a cool character. He's got some cool lines. Right. We're going to, we can do it. It'll, it's perfect. But, and to Doug Bradley's credit, the dude nails the delivery of everything. Like he yeah. really does. And from what I said, cause I didn't watch, I didn't have the time to watch any of the other movies, but in the th- I watched the um, the Dead Meat YouTube channel, the Kill Count for the third one, and in that one he's more of like a he's more of like a quippy kind of like hell like a helly like hellbound Freddy kind of guy. A yeah, little bit. he's almost more like outright I'm here to kill people than desire is our <laughs> which they explain as version one Pinhead is killed in this movie. Yeah. So coming back, he no longer has to abide by the rules. Like he doesn't have to play by the rules. He can just kill whatever he wants. And he can be like an out and out demon, you know, or like a minion of hell. But it's 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 funny because every franchise eventually, like when they especially with a horror franchise, <clears throat> you get that icon. They start off great because people are restrained. They're like, let's make a decent movie. Let's have some good kills. And then the money starts to roll in. And then the fuck it thrown at the wall, like theory of movie making starts to come into play. <laughs> now, hang on. That rings true for most. But Jason Voorhees doesn't get his iconic look until the third or fourth movie. Right. And that's when the move, that's when the money comes in because that's when the merchandising hits. And then from there, you get, like, what is it, two movies later? You get Roy, you yeah. know? It's like, what did we even do? And then he comes back, and he's in hell, and there's Manhattan, and then there's 
space. But hey, we get space at movie four in this one. Movie four, say, we get to space. I was gonna say this franchise speeds up the process and they get to space right away. They get to time travel and space like right away. <laughs> Which I'm gonna say, I watched that one, and you know, drunk night know what it's doing it's kind of fun (laughs) yeah and that's that's the thing with i think number five is inferno it's either five or six is inferno and it stars um what's his name the dude from the program who plays um ah fuck it i can't even remember joe kane joe kane the actor who plays joe kane in the program he is the main character of uh hellraiser inferno he's a cop or something like that and that was a staple of like during college that was a staple of if i'm up at 3 a.m i'm scrolling through the cable channels hbo has switched to real sex so i don't want to watch old people have sex like in a weird uh, like commune or something so i'm finding a bad movie cinemax has not quite switched to porn yet so of course at 4 a.m but Showtime is showing their bad, like, lesser-known horror. And that's how I saw, like, The Crow Salvation, you know? And then the program starring, I'm just getting his name, Craig Sheffer is the guy's name. Hellraiser Inferno was one of those movies where it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, you're scrolling the dregs of Showtime, and all of a sudden this comes on, you're like, oh, it's Hellraiser, fuck it, I'll throw it on. And next thing you know, you're like, why am I watching this? There's nothing happening here. This is terrible. <laughs> That's so I so two, I don't think is a terrible movie. And I even there are parts of it that I kind of enjoy with the lore. But overall, like there's just a lot of disappointments. Like I can it's frustrating because I can see where this movie could be fixed into a solid horror movie. It needs it needs a solid story, f- like at about the halfway point is kind of where it loses its like loses the thread and unravels. Yeah, it needs someone to come up with a reason why we're doing these things in hell that we're doing. You know, because we spend the the last two thirds of the movie in hell or in the other dimension because it's not technically hell; it's in another dimension, is what they are. Because they're interdimensional travelers. Yeah, it's a labyrinth ruled by the Leviathan, which I do think, I wish the, like, the idea of the Leviathan was explored a little more. Right. Um, All right, Mike, quick, pop quiz. Steven Seagal movie or airport novel? Code of Honor. Airport novel. Ah, wrong. It's a Steven Seagal movie. And it also it also stars Craig Sheffer from <laughs> the program and uh, Hellraiser Inferno. That's why I was just scrolling through. But it's um but like I'm looking at this dude's this dude's fucking IMDB is oh wow, there's all kinds of crap in it. But so to do a movie like Hellraiser Inferno, it's like okay, this is number five or six or whatever in this in the Hellraiser franchise. It's straight to DVD at this point. We are straight yeah. to DVD. We are straight to the cable at this point. When that is the level, because they get there quick. I think at least with Freddy and Jason, oh, and and Halloween, mm-hmm. even I think maybe Texas Chainsaw. I think all of Texas Chainsaw might have been theatrical. All of the OG classics, I think, were all theatrical releases. I don't think there's any of those that went straight to video. 
And so when it comes to this, at some point, and I think it was after three or maybe four, that somebody that was in charge, I think it was Dimension that took it over because I know at some point the Weinsteins got involved with it. And I know at some point they were probably like, look, theatrical release is just, it's, we're dumping money into the trash. This yeah. has to go right to cable. So I would probably say of all of the franchises that we're probably going to talk about, maybe I think Children of the Corn probably has a case. The Hellraiser series is probably the fastest one to go straight to cable. Like it's straight to DVD, like they're to lose the theatrical release. Yeah, that's when you get to Chucky, like even Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky are fairly well known and at least semi well regarded among Chucky fans. And I remember them coming out in theaters. Like I remember being like, holy shit, there's another one of these in the movies, like at the theater. Oh my God. But again, that's like five, six movies in. Uh, was the Leprechaun a theatrical release? Yes, I know the first one definitely was. Leprechaun in the Hood, I think, was too. And I think that's number four. So I think that Leprechaun series might actually be on par with Hellraiser in that sense. Like, I haven't done any of the research to back this up at all, but I will by next week. <laughs> but and the only sure. reason, the first time I heard of the Leprechaun, I was walking through Wow video and just ended up in, for reference, people, if you're young enough, uh, you might not know what Wow video is or block. <laughs> You'll know you probably block definitely don't. Is. Yeah, you definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, if you're 18 right now listening to us, you don't know what a blockbuster video is. <laughs> you've no, heard you it know as what a joke. Blockbuster is because of the memes. Yeah, you've heard it as a joke, but you've never yeah. experienced the blockbuster video. You've definitely it's, never experienced a CD mom and pop video store. <laughs> wow, video. So I think Wow, Wow, video was. They had a few stores in the area, but they they were a video rental store that probably closed when I was eight or nine. That's right about when they were all closing. Yeah, but they were. Uh, I was just walking through the horror section, and I'm like, "Wow, they made this, huh?" As a nine-year-old, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I was questioning the existence of Leprechaun, <laughs> right? Exactly, and it's 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 oh god, the Leprechaun series, and we'll get to it because I mean, and we'll say it now: Leprechaun in the Hood is going to have to be one of the ones that we talk about yeah. because my god, <laughs> but it's it Leprechaun at least has that it has that draw. That most lesser or fifth tier horror icons have in the sense that when you see the poster for the movie, your first thought is, what? (laughs) That's kind of like, you're like, wait, what? (laughs) A horror leprechaun? What the hell is happening here? Whereas for like Pinhead, I remember seeing the posters of all of the, the like first, probably the first four or five um hellraiser movies like in like video stores and blockbuster like you would see those up and you'd be like oh a new pinhead movie and of course it was never like a new hellraiser movie. it was always a new pinhead movie is what it was which is kind of a bait and switch when it's like these first few movies because yeah. he's barely in these first two movies at all and he even fucking dies in this one and you get to see the original actor in this one a thing that Freddy doesn't even pull. I don't think until New Nightmare. <laughs> you know, I don't even think we see regular Bob England in any of those originals. I'm probably horribly wrong. Please tell me that I am. Brian, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but we only really see 
like we don't ever actually see the actual actors that play these characters except for Doug Bradley here. And we get him as like little British man, you know, little British soldier man. And it's pretty wild because we don't get Warwick Davis as a little leprechaun. We don't get, um, Oh wait, I'm sorry. We do get um, Brad Dourif as original serial killer, Charles Nelson Ray yeah. or something like that. I, I we'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it for real. Voodoo when we talk serial about serial killer, a serial killer. But and then of course the children of the corn, the children of the corn. But <laughs> you know we. Uh, but you don't ever really get to see the actual actor. Like we never get to see Kane Hodder as like Jason. You know, yeah. you just see him behind the mask. You know, and it's it's funny because Pinhead, if anything, is like he's this iconic makeup character but then weirdly enough like you see actual doug bradley you go wow that guy's got like a weirdly remember like memorable face you know it's like why didn't he do more like all right pinhead's so iconic yeah (laughs) yeah after like the first two some people might say the first three these movies are borderline unwatchable (laughs) if you don't have alcohol in them and even it's debatable for the second and third one yeah, but I would say we've probably officially exhausted the talking about um two. Um oh wait. <laughs> now I'm looking at my notes here just to make sure we didn't miss anything. But there is the character of the the assistant doctor, like the other doctor, not the yeah. main doctor uh, in this. The, the one guy that who figures out that we're, who witnesses what's going on and gets fucking executed do you remember what movie he's from that we recently talked about i don't think i paid enough attention to who he was well he looks like james badge dale's dad like he looks like james badge dale from iron man 3 and ms meadows and all that he looks like his dad in reality though he's from aliens he's one of the uh the grunts and aliens huh. and uh so i saw i was like oh yeah i, like, I recognize that guy yeah yeah but at one point it's right after he sees um, Julia come back to life and um, eat and kill the one guy in the office, whatever he comes, he runs back to Kirsty in the mental hospital. And he's like, Hey, I believe you. Everything's true. I just saw it all happen. And then he says, and she's like in like her like hospital robe, whatever. He's like, I'll get your clothes. I can do that. I'm a doctor. <laughs> and I was like, wait, <laughs> what, what a line, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what a line. I went to medical school just so I could get a mental patient or close. <laughs> but, and then of course we get uh, Tiffany's a mute the whole time, except for a couple lines that she has. And her first word is the word shit. <laughs> it's like, was that a slip up by the actress <laughs> or did we actually design that? And there, there are so many like cool, like parts of this movie too. Like there's a really cool decapitation at the end of this movie, but it's still, it's like at a part where you're like, Wait, what? <laughs> what the hell is going on? What is going on here? Like, what am I even watching? <laughs> oh, this movie entirely exists just to basically add lore to the first one and just give some kind of okay kills. Like, in terms yeah. of story, actual plot, it's all over the place. Though apparently, um, the original idea for, like, Frank in Hell, him and his brother were supposed to be joined at the arm like they're supposed to be conjoined twins joined at the arm or something well there is is it 
Is it the third one that has the joint at the head twins? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is the third one. And all right, so that's enough of the two that we at least watched. Mike watched a couple extras. And Mike, you watched uh, Hell World? Yes. Hell World stars Britain's favorite Superman, Britain's favorite Witcher, Henry Cavill. Everyone, everyone's favorite Witcher. He deserves recognition for being a great Daryl. I have only seen the one, so I'll reserve judgment until I see a second one. <laughs> there is no other Witcher yet. He is one by default in my eyes. But yes, he <gasps> but he's good. a great Daryl. <laughs> he's pretty great. <laughs> he's pretty great. Yeah. And apparently, he knows more lore for the video games than the writers. Dude, the dude—it's insane. Henry Cavill should probably be thrown in jail for being a as good looking as he is. He, the man is criminally good looking. Did you ever see the meme where it's like, I don't know why, but after uh, after every episode of The Witcher, uh, my wife goes and takes a really long shower. I don't right. mind though, because it gives me plenty of time to vigorously masturbate to Henry Cavill. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like the man is gorgeous. But the thing is, he's also the largest like fantasy and video game and computer nerd you can possibly think of. He builds computers in his spare time. He is like a walking library for The Witcher. And it's crazy. He's like the on-set reference for the source material. <laughs> like, as they're filming shit, they'll be like, no, 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 this isn't right. And then they'll fix it because Henry fucking Cavill tells them that it's wrong. <laughs> and it's like... You don't even need to cross-check the guy because he's right. (laughs) It's like, wait, where do you get off being the most gorgeous man on the planet and this big of a Witcher fan, you know? (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) It's almost like when you find out that Stephen uh, Colbert can, like, recite Lord of the Rings by, like, page and paragraph like it's like where do you get off being so goddamn entertaining and such a fucking nerd you know it's like you bastard (laughs) i you i deserve your life it's like i hate you and i love you you respect you because that's what i want to be you son of a bitch And it's, it's, it always it cracks me up because it's like, I can build a computer myself, but I couldn't tell you what the fuck page Geralt like jerked off on in like Witcher 4, you know? <laughs> Henry Cavill can recite the page by memory. It's like, I can't do that. <laughs> Not that I'd want to, but still. <laughs> but it's, it's so crazy because. When you th- obviously it's it's one of those situations where like and we'll talk about it with Leprechaun because Jennifer Aniston is obviously in that first Leprechaun movie and she would love for you to forget that. But Henry Cavill, I'm sure if you talked to that man and was like, "Hey man, remember being in Hellraiser Hellworld?" I guarantee he'd be like, "Yeah, I do," and he'd probably launch into something awesome That's, about it. Hey, remember when you started in that movie that was like, "Hey, what if the Lament configuration was a video game?" Right, and he would probably go crazy about it, and it would be the best conversation you ever had with anybody about a Hellraiser movie. That's. <laughs> 
So I chose the, the two others besides the first two that I watched was Hellraiser Hell World and Hellraiser Bloodline. Because and the only other were, thing that I watched was the Rick and Morty episode, American Rick Feedy, or whatever, oh, Morty yeah. Feedy, or whatever it was. <laughs> but Hellraiser Bloodline and Hellraiser Hell World, I thought were the two most interesting concepts, or I say interesting. Well, interesting to me is more like batshit crazy concepts. But I was like, I'm curious. Well, Hellraiser Hellworld, it's funny because as far as I know, none of the other horror franchises, well, I shouldn't say that because Halloween, uh, one of the Halloweens is like a streaming reality show. Um, It's one with Busta Rhymes, I think, is that one. Where, like, they go into the house and it's, like, webcams and shit like that. It's, like, streaming live on the internet and all that. So that's about as close as you get to a video game. But the rest, like, for Hellraiser to be like, you know what we should do? Horror Spy Kids 3. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) And we all know how much I like Spy Kids 3. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like there's so another. I was actually kind of about Hellraiser Hellworld. Am, am I saying it's a good movie? No. 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 <laughs> am I saying you got nothing to do on a Thursday night and you have off from work the next morning and you have a pot brownie and a bunch of beer in your fridge? Oh, you're going to have a fun night. <laughs> <laughs> not to say that that's what Mike did. <laughs> not that, that's what I did because I did not do that actually. <laughs> Once again, I, I definitely didn't. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> it's it's so funny because I definitely did not have all for Yom Kippur and spend my day doing this. <laughs> of course not. Why would you? But yeah, that's and that's that's the kind of the craziest thing. Like the Hellraiser sequels are kind of they're renowned for not being good, and they're they're going off the rails very quickly. And oh, wait, I, actually, Yom Kippur is next week. Rosh Hashanah. This is Rosh Hashanah, yeah, Rosh Hashanah, yeah. But Bloodline, now Bloodline is four? Yes. Or is it three? Four. Okay, because three is the one with Adam Scott. Yeah, that's the one where, like, Pinhead is stuck in, like, a weird statue thingy for a little bit. That's like, the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of, like, Han solo into that, like, pillar or whatever, yeah. and, uh, the main characters are what Dax from Star Trek Next Generation and um, the journalist from NYU in the Seinfeld episode where uh, she writes the article about Jerry and George being gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, that's that's that episode. She's the journalist from that. I think she's in that movie as well. But there's like looking through the rest of the Hellraiser franchise. There's nobody else really of note in any of the other ones. And so for a weird little Easter egg of Henry Cavill showing up in one of these, it's like, holy shit, I guess you got to start somewhere, you know? (laughs) But so Bloodlines is actually, so Bloodlines is like time travel. It's all about generations of people trying to kill Pinhead. And I'm like, okay, all right. That's that's kind of interesting. I, you're, we get to see Pinhead fucking up people in like the 16 and 1700s. I'm like, yeah, all right. Like, um, 
I'm at least semi-interested. I I know it's not good, but like I'll keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> and then you it's... get Space Hellraiser and Time Travel Hellraiser. I'm like fourth movie we get to space okay (laughs) we are jumping right there i love the balls of this franchise but there and there is one of the episodes like one of the um the movies where his quote i think have like um pinhead's quote is he's like it could be it's like an hour or a decade it's like it means nothing to me (laughs) it's like it could be anything like whatever so it's kind of like you know time passes for him he is you know he's a, he's an immortal essentially so it doesn't really matter but so yeah so pinhead through the ages is kind of like that's definitely something i would enjoy having fleshed out probably by like a good it's that's the thing a lot of these movies you want the lore you wish it could be fleshed out by like a good filmmaker and writer so you get like an immersive experience it's very like lived in and you like you feel like uh, not that I'm saying this is what should happen, but you would almost want like a George R. R. Martin to, or like a Tolkien to kind of write the Hellraiser story so you can get the fleshed out world and feel like someone's actually lived in these worlds. Yeah. And they're so deep and so storied and layered that you get in way too deep, way too fast, and you can't understand a goddamn thing that's happening. But five books later, 20 million pages later, you know where everyone stands, you know? And it's like, okay, I got this. This is a hell of a world that he's created. Yeah. But instead, we get 10 not great movies. <laughs> you know, you get one get good, one, one all right, movie, and then the rest are terrible. Two watchable movies, two movies that are terrible but interesting. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and then like- five just pure garbage movies. Yeah, and that's going to be the theme probably of this month for us <laughs> where it's like one or two good watchable awesome movies and then the rest where it's like oh my god this is just a what better wikipedia entry <laughs> yeah, this is a better wikipedia entry than it is a movie what the hell's going on here <laughs> but anyway so i don't know how much more about pinhead you got but i'm i'm fairly done not not too much more except you know, Elysium configuration comes about. Basically. Right, the, the anti-lament configuration. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, of course you get to that point where you got to do the opposite of whatever, and heaven's got to get involved. Because when you start off with hell, you got to eventually get to the good side of it. You got to yeah. give uh, Stephen Lynch That's, the same. Elysium is basically the heaven for Greek mythology. Right, you guys, Stephen Lynch, the comedian, would say you got to give the god equal time. You know, it's but eventually you get that, and eventually, just by law of you know, like like uh, probability, you get so up your ass with the like the uh, the Lord, whatever. Someone has to unfuck you and redo it all. So I'm pretty yeah, that's, sure that's where we're at. <laughs> that uh, you get issues with Hellraiser through the ages when you find out that Hellraiser came to be in 1940 something. <laughs> It's a bit early. <laughs> it's a bit a bit recent, I should say. <laughs> um, that's and then the other thing is is I forget what movie you find out, but it's like a demonic toy maker made the lament configuration box, I'm pretty sure. Isn't that in um I think that might be Bloodline. Isn't that the one with like or whatever it is, like the time travel one? Yeah, yeah, it is because that's the point of that, right? Like the same actor plays the three generations or whatever of the three yeah. different time periods or whatever. And it starts off with the guy who like created it from wood or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, it's 
it's it's interesting because you know aside from pinhead the lament configuration itself is like a great like subtle like movie prop thing to have like you can have that on your desk at work and it's like be like what's that like oh it's just a puzzle box yeah. <laughs> you know? what's it from nothing <laughs> it's like, then they watch Hellraiser. It's like, oh. solve it <laughs> oh yeah solve it and find out <laughs> Meet you have a my boss friend you hate? give them this puzzle box that's right yeah we have such sights to show you <laughs> but um you have desire yeah to get rid of my boss yeah get the shit out of here fuck out <laughs> but all right so that's enough about pinhead our first lesser horror icon of the month and uh mike tell people things here right now all right you can find us on streaming on spotify apple Podcasts, and just about anywhere you get your podcast from thanks to anchor uh social media uh, go like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, feel free to reach out. We love to hear from you. Um, you can find us on YouTube and our ongoing uh, bro versus snob House of the Dragon antics. <laughs> That's right. House of the Dragon snob versus Game of Thrones bro. And Game of Thrones bro is getting articulate is what he's doing. He's starting to tell you how he feels. And whenever a dude like that starts talking, you definitely don't want to hear it. But uh, <laughs> I think it's also, if you loved Snob's fashion, um, thank you. My pink blazer with a gray t-shirt and uh, police glasses with the lenses knocked out. It's a great look. <laughs> I saw that because like, I decided to do more, like a costume change in the next episode. Mike, I was like, nice. <laughs> we both felt the need. I to- looked way too nice in the first two. I had to, like, I was in like a full-blown suit. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to be doing all this. There's too much of a snob. <laughs> a snob snob is what it was. But um, yeah, those those are fun. So if you've I've seen definitely if you've seen Game of Thrones, you'll you'll like what Bro has to say. But uh House of the Dragon fans, I think you'll like it too. And uh so we'll just be doing goofy shit like that on our YouTube probably, and then we'll keep uh for now at least we'll keep this too talking about movies and whatnot i think upcoming our next thing after house of dragon ends we'll probably have i think my wife's got an idea to torture us so we'll probably uh we'll go uh do that and uh see how that plays out but uh so next week we will be talking about leprechaun i'm the leprechaun not me (laughs) (laughs) so mike won't be talking about leprechaun no we're not talking about me as in like me being the leprechaun with my red oh, beard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, if you can see Mike, he looks he looks like if Conor McGregor were a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called Walmart brand McGregor. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's about right. <laughs> but, uh, sorry, so next week, we'll definitely be talking about Leprechaun in the Hood at some point. So if somebody wants to watch that movie, just get that one out of the way. And then uh, the OG we'll probably walk, talk about as well. I don't know how much of the others we'll get into because those god compared to the hellraiser movies those are those are somehow worse <laughs> you know, I, I just don't know how they've done it but um we'll get to it next week when we talk about leprechaun but until that time i have been ross i've been mike mcguigan we'll see you guys next time so long <laughs>